The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast with Seth David and co-host Erica Ed. If you've ever wanted to know the real story behind the most successful business leaders in the world today, stay tuned. Every story doesn't have an instant success, peaches and cream background. We'll ask the questions that need to be asked and get the true stories of success. Now, here is Seth David and Erica Ed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. My name is Seth David. I'm here with my co-host, Erica Ed. Hey, everybody. And I'm here with a very special guest, Mr. Jay Bear, whom I've known forever on the internet for many, many years, and I'm excited and honored to have Jay here with us. Good morning, Jay. Welcome, and thank you. Seth, Erica, thank you very much. I am definitely best, uh, best known on the internet. You probably should have left it there, Seth. You're maybe on, maybe more than you bargained for in this episode of the Authentic <laughs> Accountant Podcast, but uh, we'll do our best. Hello, everybody out there. So... Jay, you've done uh, some amazing things with some pretty serious business in terms of marketing and using customer service as the marketing tool. And I want to talk about that. But first, I'd like to go back a little further. Um, I'd love for you to tell us about your high school years. What were you interested in then? Yeah, it's, I grew up in Lake Havasu City, Arizona, which is not a place that turns out a lot of uh, digital marketers, but uh, it is right on the border of Arizona and California. When I moved there, there were fewer than 5,000 people in the town, and, and we were, you know, it's, it's, it is in the desert, baby. So, you know, we had like wild donkeys eating our trash and tarantulas on the driveway. I mean, it was a thing. <laughs> Uh, it's right on, the, right on the Colorado River, so it's known for boating and fishing. Uh, it's perhaps best known as America's home of the London Bridge, uh, the London Bridge in Arizona. That's, that's actually where uh, I grew up. It is the actual London Bridge that was removed piece by piece, uh, block by block, and reassembled in Arizona as a tourist destination. Really? No it's kidding. Cool. Fun fact. I, I did not know that. Yes. I did not know that either. That's of all places to move the original <laughs> London Bridge. I know. They bought it. Uh, they, they bought the bridge, literally, and then, and then trucked <laughs> it over and reassembled it. Everybody's uh, got a thing, you know? Everybody's got a story <laughs> to tell. I, in high school, I was a journalism guy. So I was uh, editor of the school paper a couple times and won a bunch of awards for that kind of thing. And, and when I graduated high school and went to college, all I wanted to do was write for the Washington Post. Like, like all the president's men was my favorite book, my favorite movie. I wanted to be Bob Woodward in the worst possible way. And it didn't quite work out like that. That's why I want to be like you when I grew up, Jay. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) You really don't, but I appreciate that. So interesting. You mentioned the Washington. Tell my wife that Bob. I need, I need need Seth to, to record that again. And then I'll just play that as a clip. Look, Seth David wants to be just like me, honey. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so here, I'll say it again. Ready? Three, two, one. I want to be just like Jay Bear when I grow up. Perfect. That's going to be the opener to my podcast. I love it. <laughs> Nerd Enterprises has this to say. <laughs> so, and it's interesting, you mentioned the Washington Post. I'm actually very excited. We're going to be interviewing Gene Marks oh, cool. for a podcast who writes for them regularly. All right, so you wanted to be a journalist. So that actually yeah. seems to have a pretty good tie-in to... Um, 
what you ended up doing with your life. But again, before going back, I've, you know, I've been watching some of your videos. I've been cyber stalking you properly Thanks. as one should. And so I, I, I picked up that you, you mentioned in one of your videos that your family goes back like seven generations as entrepreneurs. And yeah. if I understood correctly, the very first one was a furniture business and the tagline was it's bare. It's oak. It's oak, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my family uh, immigrated to the States from Switzerland uh, in the 1800s and founded a furniture store called Bears Furniture. And it was in my family for many, many generations. Uh, it no longer is in the family because my father is colorblind. And that is not what you want in a furniture salesman. Uh, it is very bad to be, this is going to look great in your living room. And then it looks terrible in your living room. So we sold the furniture store. Uh, it's still there in York, Nebraska. It's still called Bears Furniture and Carpets, although we're no longer associated. But yeah, my, uh, it was either my grandfather or my great-grandfather was the one who came up. I think it was my great-grandfather came up with the tagline initially because uh, back in the day, turn of the century, last century, um, there was a lot of what would happen is unscrupulous furniture manufacturers and makers would, would sell you a quote-unquote um, oak dresser, but it was actually like a stained pine dresser. They'd actually put metal weight in the drawers, like, like, like fishing shot, right, to make it feel heavier. Uh, and, and they used to think, you know, heavier the furniture, the better it is. So our slogan was, if bear says it's oak, uh, it's oak. Right, meaning it's authentic, Indeed. right? Indeed. Authenticity that's is correct. key. I so would never what, sell you, Seth, a fake oak dresser. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> well, then, you know what? <laughs> I might sell it to Erica. I would never sell it to you, Seth. Dang it. If you go back <laughs> into that business, I will buy my furniture from you. Thank you. I'm not going to do that, but I appreciate that. <laughs> so, yeah, I think you've got a better thing, a better gig going now here. Not, not even that. It's just, uh, you know, I, I, I'm better on a keyboard than I am uh, with a lathe or whatever. <laughs> right. Right. A miter saw. Right. Yes. We have no miter no, saws in the current bear residence. None. <laughs> So what was it like growing up in a family? Well, like, was there pressure to grow up and become an entrepreneur or was it just something you, you know, would have done anyway? Or, you know, what was that like? Um, I, I, it's a good question. I don't think there was pressure, um, but there was just sort of this almost unspoken expectation that eventually that's, that's what you did. Like eventually you sort of worked for yourself. And, and I think there was also a tolerance for risk. Uh, if, you, if you may indulge me for a brief story, Please. Uh, my family's from Nebraska, as we mentioned, um, small town, and my, my parents were high school sweethearts, and they went to the University of Nebraska thereafter. After graduation, my dad was an uh, insurance salesman in Lincoln, Nebraska, and he went on um, uh, a sort of fact-finding mission to Arizona. Uh, they were doing these like really cheap flights to go out and, and look at real estate. You know, in the winter in Nebraska, the weather's terrible. Arizona, it's sunny and fantastic. So he goes on one of these flights. He's in the bar in the ho in the Phoenix airport. Meets a guy, and this guy says, "Oh, Lake Havasu. That seems like it's a, a potentially burgeoning city. I've always wanted to put a restaurant there. Hey, you seem like a nice guy. Do you know anything about restaurants?" And my dad says, "No, I've never even worked in a restaurant. Never even been a busboy." He's like, "That's okay. I like you. You seem like a smart guy." So my dad <laughs> ended up moving my wife, or my my mom, and myself as a tiny infant to uh, Arizona in the middle of nowhere, based on a conversation in a uh, airport bar. And, and so, you know, that kind of like, Hey, this seems like a good idea. We'll figure out the details later. Uh, I think I come by that, uh, genealogically. Uh, so it's all good. Interesting. That's great. Okay. So, so you're interested in journalism from the get go. Yeah. Um, so what about college? What did you, is that, what did you study in college? 
Well, I, I originally studied journalism and I was a journalism major and I, I, I think I was a little burnt out on it. I spent so many hours on, on journalism in high school that when I got to college, I, I was a little bit um, exhausted of it. And I took as my very first class in college, uh, Intro to Political Science, uh, honors section. And first class, first day of college is where I met my wife, which is pretty cool. And wow. in that same class... They did a unit on political campaigns, on how uh, politicians used television advertising, direct mail, et cetera, to get elected. I'd done a little bit of political volunteer work in high school, but not much, but I was totally hooked. I was like, man, this is fascinating. I love this. And so I walked in and changed my major from journalism to to poli-sci, and that's what I did when I graduated college. I, I ran political campaigns for a while. Very interesting. All right. And so I assume you wrote for your, or, or you were maybe the editor for your high school newspaper and then into Definitely. college. I right. wrote a little bit in college, but then I, I moved away from, from journalism in college. And I actually, uh, where I spent most of my time uh, in Tucson was uh, I ran the student activities board. So I, I managed all the concerts and the comedy shows and the, you know, all this stuff. So did all that. Okay. That sounds like way more fun. It was a good time. Right. <laughs> All right. So how did, so getting out of college, what did you first do? Uh, and kind of, so take me through what happened. Yeah, I got lucky. I got, I had a really fortunate experience. So I interned twice while I was in college with a, a public affairs and political consulting firm called Nelson Ralston Robb in Phoenix. And when I, when I graduated, they hired me uh, right back. So I'd already worked there for two summers. And so to come back, you know, again, as an actual employee, wasn't much different. Uh, they just paid me a little more, but other than that, it was about the same job. So it was a very smooth transition. I think I was from, from the day I graduated to the day I started work was maybe one day, might've been two days. So it was just like, boom, boom. And just, here you go. It's you right back into it. So that was really great. And, uh, it was a terrific experience, great company, great leadership. And so I was there, uh, for a little while. And then I left to, to go run political campaigns on my own to actually be an independent political consultant, uh, at the ripe old age of 23. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And so how did we get from being a political consultant to consulting with fortune 500 companies on content marketing? <laughs> you know, Political consulting is, uh, you know, if you're into it, is a great job because there's so much finality to it. Like at the end of the day, you either win and everybody is psyched or you lose and everybody is bummed. And that lack of gray area really appealed to me. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, political campaigns combine some interesting anthropological, sociological uh, communication disciplines in, into one thing. So I really liked it, but it's a real crap job. Like it's, you know, you're either working 21 hours a day or you're working three hours a day. Uh, it's not good if you want to start a family. It's just a tough way to make a living. And so I got out of it um, and, and got into more traditional marketing and worked for a big company as a marketing director. And, and then I worked for the government for about 20 minutes. Um, and that was about 19 minutes too long. Uh, and then I accidentally um, got involved on the internet. So I was, I was the spokesman for the Department of Juvenile Corrections in Arizona. So my job, uh, I think I was 24 at this time, my job was to give tours of the juvenile prison system to the media and to legislators which was not wow. great, not a great job. And uh, I was having beers with some friends of mine from college. And I said, man, I don't want to give another tour of this prison. And they said, you know, it's funny you say that because we started this internet company and it's getting kind of bigger and we don't know anything about marketing. And I said, well, that's fine because when you say the word internet, I don't really know what that word means. This was 1993. 
But I said, I don't really care. I'll do anything to not do another prison tour. So I walked in the next morning and quit. Uh, day after that started as the vice president of sales and marketing uh, of an internet company, having never actually been on the internet. Uh, so that was a very interesting first day at work. And that company ended up uh, growing very quickly and was acquired. And, um, but it, you know, it was, it was just sort of a chance that, that, um, that I took and I knew those guys and, and, uh, I've only done two smart things, Seth and Erica. The, the first smart thing I've done is to convince my wife to marry me. And it took a significant amount of convincing, <laughs> probably pieced, it, pieced together here in the first segment. And second, uh, get involved in the internet very, very, very early and then had the good sense to, to stay with it. Here's how early we did it. True story. My partners and I in that first company sold Budweiser.com. We owned that domain name. Wow. We sold it to Anheuser-Busch for 50 cases of beer. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's a true story. And that's how early I was involved on the internet. So early wow. that we thought we got an amazing deal. Oh my God, that's wow. hilarious. Yeah, it's true. That's why well, they really that's delivered. Why a accountant in those days, clearly. Oh. At least you were smarter <laughs> than the guy who bought Compact.com. Remember Compact Computer? Yes, of course. And do you know that story? No. Somebody had bought their domain, Compact.com. And as I understand it, and it's, I, I haven't fact checked this, so just in case somebody wants to blast me for this later, go ahead if I'm wrong. But my understanding of what happened is the guy who originally bought that domain name, probably around the time you bought Budweiser.com, yeah. um, squatted it. And the company approached him and said, hey, we, we need the domain name. We have the brand. We have the, the, you know, the, the copyright and all this, um, the trademark rather. And the guy kept resisting and they kept increasing their offer and the guy kept resisting. And, you know, like in the stock market, we say there's bulls and there's bears and there's pigs, right? This guy, it turned out, became a very big pig and kept sitting it out until finally Compact said, well, if you're not going to be reasonable with us, we'll just take you to court. And they won it fair and square and free of charge other than whatever they and had got to pay the court. Yeah. So the guy got nothing for it in the end and probably had to pay a bunch of legal fees in the process trying to defend a losing case. So Indeed. at least you did better than him. We did. We did do better than that. Uh, in fact, my partner <laughs> registered without me. I wasn't on this registration, unfortunately. My partner registered and sold beer.com uh, for $5.1 million. Uh, That's wow. And wow. he has not, he has not worked since, uh, and I am here on the Authentic Accountant Podcast. So uh, that's, that's how that worked I don't, out. I, I don't know if I should be offended by that. Well, I think, I mean, just, Jay. You know what he's not doing today? Podcasts. Right. Um, well, that's, you know, it is what it is. Jay, I, I think you're winning, Jay. I think you're winning. Hashtag winning. I think you are winning, <laughs> especially if you, um, you know, you have to, you, you, you get to do things. You get to I do. do. I, I mean, do. I that do, guy's not job. talking to us. <laughs> no, I would do this job for free. I'm glad I don't have to, but I would do it for free. It's the best job in the world. Right. And I love that. I love what you say about speaking of doing things for free. I love what you say about, it's, it's funny because I was watching some of your videos last night, just sort of getting caught up and refreshed with things. And then I get this email this morning. Cause I, I remember you from when you wrote utility yeah. and you know, reading that and, recognizing, oh, good, I, it was validating for me because I was already doing that. I was already producing right. videos and content that was valuable and useful for fun and for free, and it was already beginning to attract business. This morning, I get a newsletter from somebody who's well-known in the accounting industry that the title of it was, How to Make Sure You're Not Giving Away Too Much for Free. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> no. maybe I should reply with some Jay Bear videos and explain them a book, Seth. Send them a book. I'll send them the copy of Utility and a link to how content marketing works. Thank which you. Is, one of the ones Thank I you. picked up last night. So, um, okay. So we, 
so political consulting, I want to go back to that for a second because sure. I have some questions. So because okay. I want to know what that looked like because I, I, I know the image I get from watching things on TV and whatnot. So did you actually consult with them on like what color tie to wear when they would go to give a speech or like what exactly did that look like? Uh, at, you know, at some level, yeah. I mean, when, when there are campaigns where I was the senior consultant and really ran the show, sure, all of that stuff. Most of my time was spent uh, as a specialist, however. I did a lot of direct mail uh, for campaigns, and I did later uh, a lot of digital, a lot of early day websites, emails, uh, campaign fundraising programs through the internet, et cetera. But on the races where I was uh, what they call first chair, uh, yeah, all that stuff. Wear this suit, you know, here's where we're going to put the sign, the whole deal. Gotcha. And, okay, and so we, we heard how that evolved into working for one of the earliest uh, dot-com companies yeah. and doing marketing for them, even though you'd never been on the internet. So was this, this was like before AOL or probably around the time of AOL? Around the time of AOL, yeah. That, AOL was still dominant then. So when I say I hadn't been on the internet, I'd been on AOL and maybe Prodigy, but uh, this idea of going out to the open internet, right? The scary, you know, wild west <laughs> of the actual internet was what only, you know, it was like a dark arts. Uh, nobody really <laughs> So, uh, but yeah. Now we have the dark web, which is kind of like the new current <laughs> Everything old is new again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, um All right, so we're going to take a break in a minute, and we're going to pass the basket, so to speak, pay our bills. Um, Erica, what are you taking away from this so far? I mean, I'm just, I'm just fascinated at the journey. You know, I, I, (laughs) it's always fascinating to me how people end up where they end up, and and your journey is just, I, I could sit and talk to you for another hour about how you got here. So I'm, I'm just enjoying. It sort of made sense, ultimately, accidentally. Yeah, <laughs> right. At the time, none of it made sense. But now, of looking course. back on thirty years, I'm like, oh yeah, that all seems to work together. Right. It was like it's funny how that happens, you know. Yeah. Right. And it was like you were destined to be an entrepreneur because you came from many generations of entrepreneurs, but you didn't necessarily start out that way. But then somehow you landed there eventually, anyway. Yeah, and I didn't really do my own thing until I was like 29 or 30. So you know, I wanted to do it earlier. I was too scared. Mm. Okay. So when we come back from our break, we're going to talk about how you got there. And so we're going to get into what I call the what it was like segment. And we're going to talk about exactly what happened and eventually how you got to where you are today. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises, Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit Nerd Enterprises. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to Quick books.intuit.com to find out more. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email Seth at nerdenterprises.com. That's Seth at nerdenterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Uh, before we went for a break, Jay, we had gotten to the point where you um, you had moved on from working for. I mean, that's fascinating. You're working for the a jail, basically, and giving people tours. Let's talk before we get into really the next the meat of the next part. I just want to I want to know a little bit more about what that was like when yeah. you first started describing it. I was thinking you were going to be giving tours to kids to scare them away from a life that would lead them there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I never had to do the scared straight routine. Hey, uh, real quick, Seth, you know what my favorite accounting application is? What is it? QuickBooks Online. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. That's music to my ears. <laughs> True story. I use it every day. Big fan. Do you really? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wow. So, so Convince and Convert actually runs on QuickBooks Online software. Absolutely. And has you for know. a long time. Yeah. Good to know. That's awesome. Yeah. True story. Thank you to Intuit. Uh, love the product. So uh, Department of Juvenile Corrections runs, I don't even know how many uh, facilities it is now, six or seven throughout the state of Arizona, all the youth incarcerated for a variety of things uh, end up there. It's a combination, essentially a jail and a school. And, and I was the spokesperson. So my job was to interact with the press and, and legislators and other stakeholders. And, and since, you know, it's not really the type of place or, or situation where you're, get, you're trying to get a lot of press it's not like, hey, let's get this awesome feature story placed about us in the newspaper. That's not usually how it works. Uh, instead, it's let's make sure nobody is saying anything about us because you know, no news is good news. And so it was a lot of a lot of tours um, and a lot of uh, kind of media strategy work. And and so I would I would go and kind of had my regular uh, kind of tour uh, route where I'd show uh, people you know the classrooms and then the you know where where kids stay at night and and where they eat and all those kind of things. I had some very interesting uh, experiences there with with kids sort of acting out because they knew that I was on a tour and trying to mess with me. And, you know, when I was there, I was only there a little while, but while I was there, there was an escape at one point. So that was an exciting night. Uh, so yeah, I, I have a lot of memories of that role, even though I was only there uh, a little while. It was, uh, I'm glad I did it mostly because it gave me a chance to understand that me working in a government 
scenario was not really a good match for my entrepreneurial tastes. So we have actually that in common. I did a government job too, right out of college. I was an auditor for the federal government, for, well, yes. for a federal, federal government program. I wasn't an IRS auditor. I, was, I worked for a company that worked by contract for the Healthcare Financing Administration. Also just fascinating stuff. Yes, yes. <laughs> what, what, what really caused me to go, in addition to having beers with my friends from college, was uh, my boss at the agency, the executive director, uh, put me in charge, me as the chairperson, of a 13-person business card redesign committee. And I was like, man, if it's going to take 13 wow. months to do these cards, this is probably not an environment where I'm going to flourish. Uh, so that yeah. was the beginning of the end. However, I still get statements um, every year from the Arizona government uh, telling me uh, my pension. And I think, uh, Erica, if I retired right now, uh, I think I would get like 21 cents a month until the day I die. Hey, well, look at that. I don't know what the compounded interest opportunities are on that, but probably not great. You, you could probably buy like a can of Budweiser every month on that. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's I don't know. Great. I it's don't know. That is funny, though. That's hilarious. That really. Cost more to send the, me my the, thir- the thirteen person panel for the business card, yeah. though. My God, I mean, everybody, everybody so now, has to be represented, right? It's. Uh, it's. So it's, were there schisms mm-hmm. among the thirteen people? Oh, yeah. or oh. What went on that business like, card? Amazing. Yeah, like you could. It was. It was like you're fighting over food and water. Uh, well, I'm imagining so. there was like the faction that was pro one-sided business card and the and the double-sided faction over here and frighteningly close to the truth i mean my god (laughs) it was tough i've tried to block most of that out thanks for bringing it back up sorry that's what we're about here we're about bringing back those old memories thank you we can take you through this next segment which is actually what i want to get to so we went from the prison system to the first you know, early dot com experience as a marketing person. And then so in between that and today, you've gotten to the point where you became a, 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 a world renowned public speaker, right, who works with Fortune 500 companies. Um, did I read correctly that Nike was one of the companies you've worked with? Yeah. So in between that, and this is what I want to talk about really mainly for the second segment. You know, most of us hit roadblocks along the way. And there are people who will be listening to this right now and wondering if they should quit and go back and get a job, go back to working for the prison system, right? <laughs> so tell us about the hardest thing you experienced on your entrepreneurial journey. Was there ever a time when you thought you might have to throw in the talent and go back to working for the prison? Um, I, I don't know that I ever thought about packing it in. But I think the hardest thing in my entrepreneurial journey was starting the entrepreneurial journey. I, I wanted to start my own thing um, when I had just been with the internet guys for a little while. I was probably 24, maybe 25. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do my own thing. And I didn't, and I didn't, and I didn't, and I was scared and I was worried and I had a daughter and like, what if it didn't work out? And, and so I just, I just kept kind of kicking the can, right? Like, oh, they're paying me pretty well to be, you know, sort of have this job. Like, why take the, the risk just to start my own thing? And so I delayed it and delayed it and delayed it. Uh, and then when I was uh, 29, 30 years old, something like that, um, after kind of putting this off for many years, uh, my best friend and brother-in-law was diagnosed with a, a real serious terminal illness. And and when he was diagnosed is when I walked in and quit because I was like, look, what am I, what am I scared of really? Okay, if this doesn't work out, I'll just go get a job. Like I'm pretty employable. Uh, like what, what's really – What's really the downside here? And, and the lesson I took away from that, Seth, and, and it's something I tell uh, entrepreneurs all the time, is to dimensionalize your fears 
when, when you take your fears and you, and you force yourself to write them down and say, okay, get a piece of paper and write down exactly what you're scared of. When you go through that exercise, in many cases, what you realize is what you're scared of is just between your ears. There really isn't anything. It's more, the, it's more this sense of fear, more so than something specific that tends to hold us back. And so I always feel like when I'm, when I'm uncertain or I'm doubtful, when you actually sit down and say, okay, I'm going to give these fears shape, I'm going to give them form, I'm going to give them a name, uh, it, it makes you feel a lot better and it certainly helped me. Can you walk us through that process just briefly? Um, you know, like give us an example of what one of your fears were, what was at that time and how you sort of came to realize that it was just a made up thing in your head. Yeah. I mean, I mean, essentially, you know, the, the biggest thing for me at that point was I, cause the, the way to do this is you, is you say, take paper and say, I am afraid of X because Y, right. That's the, the, the best way to phrase it. Right. So, right. so I was afraid of uh, a giant reduction in income because I can't get enough clients if I do this by myself. Right. Mm. That was really what it was. And then the Z equation is where you say, okay, well, how realistic is that? Like, how, how true is that fear? And in my case, um, it, you know, it, it's certainly true that you could not get enough clients, but, but I, I had such an ability to fall back and just go get another job, right? So, um, and I had some savings and things like that. So, so the downside was certainly not terminal illness. The mm-hmm. downside was put your tail between your legs and say, this didn't work out and go get a job. Right. And that's not a life and death situation. It's a bit of an ego situation and maybe have a short term, a little bit of financial pain, but it's like, what's the big deal really? And once I started to understand that the, that the, that the, the worst case scenario was not that bad, it's like, nah, then I'm just going to go do it. So I, I quit and started my own thing. So it sounds like, go ahead, Erica, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, you go. Oh, no, no, really. Okay, fine. Uh, I, I love that you talked about it being an ego thing, you know, the, the bruise to the ego. Yeah. Because I think that so many of us feel like that ego bruise is a terminal illness that we'll never recover from. And I, um, I remember watching something about this guy who did an exercise where he was, he was starting out on his own entrepreneurial thing and he had quit his job and, um, and he was about to throw in the towel and his wife said, no, you, you're going to give this six months like you said you were, and then you can throw in the towel. So he went back out and what he did was um, he, he went around asking for things from people that he knew he would never get. Like he asked to play soccer in some random stranger's backyard and he, he asked for this donut shop to make uh, an arrangement of donuts like the Olympic rings. And the re- what he was doing was he was going out trying to get rejected. So that he could get a better understanding that that bruised ego is not is not fatal, you know. And what ended up actually happening was he ended up getting a lot of yeses. He ended up getting to do a lot <laughs> of really crazy, fun, cool things just because he asked and he put himself out there. That's great. Well, you know, they, they, there's the saying. Uh, my son is a hockey player. He has this sign in his in his bedroom. It's a, it's a quote from Wayne Gretzky. It says, "You miss every shot you don't take." Uh, Bingo. A lot of truth to that. That's absolutely. Yeah. It reminds me of when, when I was a young whippersnapper and I was working as a... Like last year. Yeah, like last... Exactly. <laughs> and I was working as a Series 7 licensed stockbroker and they, they're training you on high pressure sales. And so part of the initial training is how to take rejection. And so they had a lot of little buzz phrases and the one that stuck out of my mind is every no that you get is one closer to a yes. Right. Uh, and so you just have to keep working through all those no's. That's what Erica, your story reminds me of. Yep. And I'll share with you since we're sharing stories and experience I had when I was uh, 
just starting out consulting and I had exactly the same fear as Jay that you described. You know, what if I don't get enough business to pay my bills? You know, and here I was living with my wife who was then my girlfriend in a small apartment in Hollywood and I was working at a CPA firm and starting to pick up gigs on the side. And then eventually when I felt I had enough, I left the CPA firm and, you know, just started doing the side gigs. But I had one main client that I was largely dependent upon. And he was also very difficult and he could be berating and demeaning. And I remember thinking, this isn't why I went into business for myself, but I can't afford to drop the client. And I remember this pep talk my wife gave me where she basically said, Seth, no matter what, your job is to keep going, just show up, get the check from the client and keep moving forward. And eventually you'll get more clients and you can leave this one behind. And that was the push I needed on that day and in that moment to get through. And that's one of the things I've taken away is, you know, we get the support that we need from the people in our life who are closest to us. Your wife, Jay, I'm sure provides you with a lot of support. I know my wife has provided me with a lot of support. You know, we get that from our close friends and family. Would you agree that that's kind of what we, we lean on the people closest to us to get through these times. Absolutely. And then we unfortunately don't appreciate them nearly as much as we should. And if we do, it's, it's long after the fact. Mm. Right. Right. But so, so the message I take from that is, you know, focus on those people who really do help us through those times and make sure we make sure we remind them how much we appreciate them. Yeah. I mean, when I started my first, um, uh, the, the first company that, that you know, I, I, I had an equity position in a few other firms, the first one that I really, really, you know, I was 100% mine, like, you know, we're just going to throw out the shingle, the, the firm I had before Convince to Convert. Started off just me in our bedroom, and, and then we got a little bigger, and then we started to do more uh, search marketing. And this is in the very early days of paid search. Now, of course, everybody buys ads on Google, et cetera, but this is before that even existed. Um, and it was a pretty specialized thing then as it is now at some level. And my wife, who was a trained paralegal and was the number one uh, legal assistant uh, for, for political law and also zoning and land use cases in Arizona, she would go to work, um, you know, usual deal, high heels, pantyhose, big office tower, big fancy law firm, you know, usual deal, do all that stuff, come home, uh, you know, see me, see the kids involved in dinner, dishes, the whole thing. And then from nine o'clock to midnight, Every night uh, for three years, she managed all of our search marketing for all of our clients. Uh, and then we'd get wow. up the next morning and do it again, right? So, um, you know, looking back now, having been in this business for a long, long, long time, there's uh, a lot of people who have contributed everything to whatever it is that we've been able to accomplish. Uh, all, I do is, all I do is kind of hold the steering wheel, but everybody else is, uh, is paddling the boat. Hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so the moral of the story is we're all going to experience tough times, right? I mean, Erica, what are you taking away from this? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's the thing that I like here the most right now is, is really about overcoming that fear. And, and I think that, you know, we all, we all hit roadblocks and, and obstacles along the way, but sometimes it's the obstacles that we place for ourselves that are, that are much larger than anything that the outside world can bring, you know? Yeah. And and just, you know, sticking close to the people that are helping you along the way, you know? Um, right. So we have to get out of our own way, right? And we have to recognize that some of those very things we fear, the process of facing those fears and getting through them is the, probably the very thing we need the most training. And that's how we become Jedi Knights at whatever it is that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how we become really good at what we're doing, because yeah, I remember when I was a kid and my parents 
you know, had had me in swimming lessons. And we eventually got to the point where I would see the kids diving off the high diving board. And I was like, I want to do that. That looks really cool. And then the first time I actually had to climb up that 12 foot diving board or whatever it was, I practically crapped my pants thinking, oh my God, I'm going to jump off of this thing. But once I jumped off the first time and found that I made it through and, and made it through alive, the next time it was so much easier to do it again and again and again. So we just walk through those fears. And once you walk through it once, you start to get more confidence and it just gets easier and easier and easier. So when we, uh, well, well, before we go to take a break, let's talk a little bit more, Jay, about how you got from that first early dot-com internet company yep. to where you are today. Let's, let's get through that part of the journey in this sure. last Yep. So I was there for a bit and, and then started a company in conjunction with a, a network of TV stations, radio stations, and magazines in Phoenix. Uh, and we became, um, under my direction, the, the sort of leading internet brand in, in, uh, in Arizona. And I was there for a bit. Um, and then in the go-go kind of hot, hot dot-com days, 98, 99, I left that firm uh, and, and went to a startup, a funded startup, that was essentially Skype before Skype. It was about seven years before Skype was invented. It was essentially the exact same idea. So sometimes timing is everything. I was there for a little while, didn't work out, left, uh, and and then started my my very own uh, my very own thing, where my wife uh, did all her great work as as well, and had that company for five years. It was called Mighty Interactive. Uh, did web web strategy, etc., and sold that firm uh, to an ad agency, and then started convince to convert uh, ten years ago uh, this month. And uh, again, started off with just me, and then over time of brought tons of great people aboard. And as you said, we work with an extraordinary collection of, of clients all around the world. We're super duper lucky uh, to do the kind of work that, that we get to do. Right. Amazing. I'm excited so, to hear more about that. The, yeah. the videos I've seen and the, the stuff I've watched of yours is really um, just, I mean, Seth and I do a lot of the stuff that you're, that you talk about in the videos and it's like, I'm watching these things. And I'm like, ah, yeah, that's exactly the spot on. <laughs> awesome. I, I'm excited to hear a little more about that after the break. Good. So. Yeah, me too, because I was, well, actually, I was watching a lot of your videos last night, like I said, catching up and refreshing, and I was thinking, how do I do more of this with Nerd Enterprises? How do we take Nerd Enterprises to the next level? How do we take our existing clients and turn them into raving fanatic fans who can't help tell the whole world that they need to be working with my company? And I want yeah. people to hear this in the context of their own companies. Yeah. I want you to, what we're going to talk about in the next segment, those of you who are listening when we come back from the break, I want you to listen with an ear on how am I going to use this in my own company to make my company move forward and take it to the next level so that I will never, ever, ever have to worry about those fears of whether or not and when I'll get enough clients again. That's the goal. All right, let's take a short break and we'll come back after we pass the basket. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to QuickBooks. Books.intuit.com to find out more. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services, from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises, Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded, so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. That's Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Welcome back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Erica Ed, and my very special guest, Jay Bear. And we're up to... Hey, Seth, you know what my favorite kind of company is? <laughs> I have a feeling I know, but I'm going to let you go ahead and continue. It's e-commerce companies. Actually, my favorite kind of company are companies that know what they are uh, right. and go long on that. I talked a lot about that in my book, Utility for Accountants, which I really recommend everybody get on Amazon, $2.99 on Kindle. Uh, Utility for Accountants, all about how uh, pick a type of client, right? In your case, for Nerd Enterprises, it's e-commerce. Pick a type of client and be indispensable to that type of client. In my own business, Convince and Convert, we don't do tactical work. We're not an agency. We only do strategy. That's our thing. If you want us to press the button and make your Facebook ad, we don't do that. If you want a strategy, we'll give you that. We do the one thing and we do it as good as anybody in the world. And that's the way to have real success in my estimation. I love that. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. Uh, Thank you for that, actually. And yes, and, and utility was... Was that your first book or I know you've written uh, several utility. Uh, I just finished my sixth book um, talk triggers, which is out October 2nd, officially um, utility was my second book. The now revolution was my first book utility for accountants, which is the utility principle only for accountants. Um, it was my third book utility for real estate. was my fourth book hug your haters, which is all about customer service and customer experience was my fifth book. And the new one talk triggers is all about the power of word of mouth. Okay. Love and talk course, triggers. I love, can I tell you how much I love talk triggers? Thank you. Thank you. You're going to love the cover. It includes alpacas. I love <laughs> alpacas. See? That's hilarious. Everybody wins. We're, so we're going to talk about that. In fact, I'm, I'm going to invite Erica to share with me some of what she and I were talking about before you join with us this morning, Jay. Um, but before we get into that, I want to go back to, you know, where we left off at the break. Um, so, We've, we've got you into the marketing world, like really now deep into the marketing world. You had the marketing experience. Now you've accumulated some of the uh, marketing experience specific to the internet. By this time, you actually yeah. did get on the internet eventually, right? Yes. I, yes. I, well. <laughs> so, on the internet, yes. So, Jay, you know, we're in the what it's like today segment. So I want to talk about what's going on in your world today. Um, 
what are you most focused on? Where are you headed right now? So the company Convince to Convert has, has sort of three components. We have the live uh, teaching component, which includes me and seven of our other uh, consultants giving uh, presentations and, and speeches and workshops all around the world. We have the media division, which includes our uh, network of blogs, our network of podcasts, our webinar series, our video series, and we have a number of corporate sponsors of, of that work, primarily marketing technology companies who, who want to connect uh, to their future customers who are primarily professional digital marketers. And then we have the consulting division, which works with many of the world's most interesting brands on their digital marketing strategy, content strategy, social media strategy, influencer marketing strategy, those kind of things. So those are the three sort of uh, legs of the stool of the business. I spend about half of my time personally doing presentations, traveling, I do 60, about 60 events a year, uh, writing books, those kind of things. So I spend a lot of my time essentially uh, out there on the road uh, talking to people, which I absolutely love. Right. And as a small business owner, or maybe not so small, what is your top tip for how, uh, let me put it on me. How do I get my customers to start referring everyone they know to me? It's a great question. And it's something that we cover uh, in depth in the new book, Talk Triggers. Look, word of mouth is super important to every business. Uh, in B2B, which obviously Seth and Erica, you're in, everybody listening is in B2B, word of mouth uh, has influence on 91% of all B2B buying decisions, right? So fundamentally, every decision. Nobody is going to hire nerd enterprises unless they have some sort of frame of reference, right? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. So what you want to do is give your customers a story to tell. See, the problem with word of mouth is that we all know that it's important to our business, yet we don't actually have a strategy for it. You probably have a marketing strategy, you have a content marketing strategy, you might have a PR strategy, you might have a crisis strategy, you might have a customer service strategy, you probably have an accounting strategy. What you don't have is a word of mouth strategy. Everybody just assumes it will happen. And and we think that the key to creating word of mouth is to be a good company, but that's not true. Good is a four-letter word when it comes to word of mouth. Nobody says, like, I don't know everybody listening, but I know some of you listening probably. I'll tell you this. I know this for a fact. Nobody has ever said, let me tell you about this perfectly adequate experience I just had. (laughs) That's not how we think, right? So you have to give your customers a story to tell. You have to allow them to craft the word of mouth, right? So, for example, I'll give you a little story here. There's a restaurant in Sacramento called Skip's Kitchen. Skip's is a counter service hamburger restaurant. You order at the window, uh, they bring your, they give you a number and they bring your food up. Here's their deal. So you go to the window, you say, okay, I want two patty mouse, I want two onion rings, a chocolate shake. Before you pay them, they whip out from under the counter a deck of cards and they fan all the cards out face down in front of you. And they say, Erica, pick a card. And you pick a card and if you get a joker, your entire meal is free. Now, nice. Skip's Kitchen has spent zero dollars and zero cents on advertising in the 10 years they've been in business. Yet, they were just named the 29th best hamburger restaurant in America by USA Today. Because their only, people are their only promotion is word of mouth. On yeah. average, three people a day win the Joker. And when they win, they go crazy. They're taking selfies with the Joker. They're calling yeah. their mom. They're putting it on Yelp. A high school marching band comes out from the back. It's really quite a scene. Uh, that's their hook, right? So you have to have a hook, right? Competency does not create conversation. You have to do something for your clients that they remember. That's a talk trigger. Right. Like Seth Godin's purple cow. You have to do something that makes you stand out. You know, one of my favorite things that I've experienced with a company that something they do that I just think is brilliant to create exactly this kind of word of mouth is, uh, Jay, have you ever had In-N-Out Burger? Of course. 
So I remember when I first moved out to California, I'd never heard of In-N-Out Burger before. And of course, the first time I tasted it, I loved it. And then eventually somebody told me about animal style. And I was like, animal style, what is that? And they explained, oh, you get like these fried onions and you could have it on your burger and you could have it on your fries. And I thought, but wait, I've never seen that on the menu. And, and the person who told me about it was like, no, it's this secret thing that the only people who know about it are either those who have worked for the company and those they've told, right? So it's literally word of mouth spreading about a secret option that yeah. you can ask for when you go in there. So you become part of this like secret society of people who know about animal style. Well, now I've just told the whole world when you go to In-N-Out Burger, get animal style because it's really good and hopefully you're not like worried about your physical health and weight or any of that when you're eating this. And now we've completely lost Jay. <laughs> so let's hold on. Until no, I'm back. no, that I, oh, I completely, it's a perfect example of what we're talking about because one, one thing I want to emphasize is that a talk trigger, sort of a word of mouth generator is typically, and when it's done the best, it's an operational choice, right? It's not a contest or a coupon or a promotion or a discount. It's something that you choose to do all the time. In Up Burger chooses to have the secret menu. Skip's Kitchen chooses to, to, to give you the opportunity to win a meal uh, with the Joker, right? It's something that's baked into your operations. It's not like we're going to have a drawing of all of mm-hmm. our customers and somebody's going to win an island. That's not word of mouth, right? That's a stunt. So yeah. you want to do something different. And there's lots of ways to do it. There's several different ways to, to create conversations in this way that we go through in the book. Some of it's by being faster than people expect. Some of it's being more human or empathetic than they expect. All of these are applicable for accounting firms. So let's, let's stay on the talk triggers concept because, Eric, I know you were sort of, uh, you know, very moved by what you saw when you watched some of Jay's videos, specifically about talk triggers. Share with everyone what you shared with me, Erica, before we sort of went live today. Oh, I, I was just, I enjoyed, I saw the video where, uh, about the uh, holiday holiday land amusement park that holiday, you spoke holiday of. World, yes. Holiday, holiday World, yes. Holiday World. Actually right here in, uh, near, near me now in Santa Claus, Indiana. Santa, it's called Santa Claus, Indiana. Yeah, I never heard of Santa Claus, Indiana, nor Holiday World, but... But you, you talked about how they, they made that operational decision to yep. have a shack that gave away free sunscreen, Yep. which for me, I would be at that shack all day because I sunburn very easily. <laughs> are. You wouldn't believe it. You, I, I wish I had a video of people at the free sunscreen shack at Holiday World because if you've never seen people put on sunscreen with two handfuls at a time, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's something, man. People are lubed up to the max, like... If you're paying for sunscreen, you're like dabbing it on a nickel size at a time. If you ever got it free, you're like, okay, I'm yeah. myself in this. I'm slathered. It is, uh, it's pretty interesting. I love it. And I mean, I, I totally got a visual as you were saying that too, of just all of these really happy, oily people walking around, <laughs> you know, to the next <laughs> shack where they're getting the free sodas. Park in America. Yes, free soda also. You free know? Soda, right? and Which is crazy, but, but it works for them. It's it's crazy, but also it's, it's, it is, it's, it's perfect. And, and those are the talking, the, the talking points that everyone takes away, you know, and you mentioned in, in, if you go through their thousand or so, you know, five-star reviews, they, they oh. all mentioned the free sunscreen and the free soda. And to me, like that got me immediately thinking, what can we do? What can, right. what can we what offer? What can we do as our you know? version of that? That's what I want our listeners to really think about at this yep. point. And if you haven't done so yet, pause the playback and start writing down some notes, brainstorm some ideas about what you can do. What would your version of that be? Because keep in mind, and I want to put the right context on this, and of course, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong or if I misconstrue anything, 
But what I get out of it is that, like, what, what, what that park did with the free sunscreen and the free sodas, it had nothing to do with the park or what the park was really there for all about. It was sort of tandem to it. But that's what people are going to walk away talking about. They're going to say, holy crap, this park, they just give away free sunscreen. Like, how do they not go out of business doing that? You can take as much as you want, right? And that brings up an important question I think I have for you, Jay, which is, you know, how do I deliver ridiculously good customer service doing something like this? right, without exhausting all of my resources in the process, right? I think that's what people, I can see people having that fear. We talked about fears earlier, having the fear of if I trip all over myself trying to make these customers so ecstatic, there's not going to be anything left of me to go on and bring in more clients and do more. So how do we find that balance, I guess, is the real question. It's, it's a great question because you don't want your talk trigger, you don't want your, your word of mouth generator to be too big. Obviously, operationally, you can't always afford it if it's too big, but when it's too large, it actually creates suspicion, right? You don't want people to think, oh, that can't be true. They're not possibly going to actually give me that. I'll give you a, a good example of something that really, really works and is so small. Uh, you probably know that at Doubletree Hotels, they give you a warm chocolate chip cookie when you check into the hotel. They've been doing this for 35 years. They give out 75,000 cookies a day. I did wow. some research on this. I talked to 1,000 Doubletree customers, and 38% of them have mentioned the cookie to somebody else in the previous 60 days. So think about what that's worth to their business. Their current customers are becoming their best marketers. Now, is there a cost associated with that? Of course there is, but it's the cost of a chocolate chip cookie, right? If you can get four out of 10 of your customers to tell somebody else about how great you are, that cost is insignificant, right? So you have to think of it as an investment in your marketing as opposed to an operational expense. Mm. Right. And that's, that's what I like to try and impress. I mean, I work with a lot of other bookkeepers and accountants who come to me for guidance. And that's like one of their first concerns is, oh, but what about the money I'm spending on these apps for, that you're recommending? And I say, well, if that money that I'm spending creates ridiculous efficiency and frees you up for an extra hour a week, time that can be spent on bringing in new customers isn't that worth it? If the average customer is bringing in $1,000 a month in revenue and what I'm spending is $100 a month, you know, you're an accountant, do the math, right? It seems like it's profitable to the tune of $900 a month in that example. So same idea here. I love the story you told. We have just a couple minutes left. So I'd love if you wouldn't mind sharing that story again here, Jay, about what Hilton did with the person who wasn't even staying at their hotel and how they went in with Hilton Suggests and gave the person, well, I'll let you tell the story. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about by now. Yeah, it's actually, uh, it's a story from my book, Utility. It's actually a whole global program that Hilton uses on Twitter. It's called Hilton Suggests. It's at Hilton Suggests on Twitter. And anybody can use it. You can use it right now. Uh, you just go on there. And if, you've, if you're looking for a restaurant, something to do, some advice for, for some city you're going to visit, uh, in many cases, Hilton will just jump in there and say, oh, well, here's a, a restaurant that we recommend in Dallas or uh, a, a park that we recommend in Orlando. And, and in most cases, it has nothing to do with Hilton at all. It's just free advice, right? And they do it for free because it builds awareness and it builds goodwill. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a nice way to get people talking about the Hilton brand because next time you're going to be somewhere else, you're going to think, oh, yeah, Hilton, I should stay there. Those guys helped me when I needed help. And importantly, Seth, they did so without expectation of immediate return. They didn't say, here's a recommendation and come on in to our place for a free cinnamon roll, right? They didn't. One of the problems with marketers is that marketers ruin everything. 
right? Mm-hmm. They, they can't leave it well enough alone, right? They can't see the, the problem that most of us have, and this is especially true for small B2B organizations like accounting firms, is that we don't trust our customers. We don't trust them enough to reward us eventually through their recommendations and referrals. We say, well, if we give you something, we need to get something back right now. If I pay you $100 for the apps, I need to know right now that it's going to pay off. We just don't trust our customers enough to play the long game. We all want to play the short game, and it's a losing hand. Hmm. Right. It, it, it's, um, I was just going to, I was going to share an analogy. Erica, what did you want to say? Oh, I was just going to say quickly, cause we're almost out of time. But um, if, if, if you could just give one piece of advice on how to sort of to, to these small business owners on how to sort of, you know, start this process and, and how, like, what would be the one the maybe the key piece to this? If, if you have something that's quick. Yeah, the first step uh, in, in coming up with your word of mouth differentiator is to talk to your customers, is to literally spend time talking to your customers about what they expect from you, what they expect every time they interact from you. Because once you understand those expectations, the same way that people understand that sunscreen isn't usually free, then you mm-hmm. can understand how to turn those expectations on their head. But it really requires you to sit down and have real conversations with real customers about their expectations. It's great right. advice. Great advice. And for our other listeners listening at home, what I was going to share based on the Hilton example, what I did, especially early on when I first started producing content and accounting and QuickBooks videos, I would actually monitor Twitter. I didn't have it formally called anything like Nerd Suggests, although that would probably be brilliant to do. But I would look for people complaining on Twitter about how they can't figure out how to do X, Y, and Z in QuickBooks. I would actually bookmark that tweet, go make the video and write the blog post, and then go back onto Twitter and reply to them and say, here's a blog post with a video that answers your question in a very visual and step-by-step way. And I built a huge following on the basis of doing exactly that. So with that in mind, I love the suggestions. I love the takeaways that we have from today. Jay, I really want to thank you for taking the time to be with us and sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us in a what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today format. I hope the audience gets a ton out of it. And tell us real quickly, again, just go down the list of the books and where people can go to find more information about you. Seth, Erica, thanks so much for having me on the show. And to everybody listening, really appreciate your kind attention. You can find me at convinceandconvert.com. That's our main site. The book's Utility, Utility for Accountants, Hug Your Haters, and Talk Triggers, all of them available in all the ways and places books can be procured, including on Audible, read by me. Check it out. Great. And we will get the list, of course, published on the website when everything is live and out there. So thank you again so much, Jay. Really appreciate, really appreciate your taking the time. Erica? Th- thank, thank you, Jay. It was really a pleasure speaking with Thanks, you. Guys. And uh, I love what you're doing. Thank you for tuning in. New episodes of the Authentic Accountant Podcast are heard every week on the Voice America Business Channel and on your favorite podcast site. Please join Seth David and Erica Ed again soon for another edition and another complete story of success. The Authentic Accountant is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit helps you leverage the latest technologies and works with you to create tomorrow's future innovations for your firm. Visit quickbooks.intuit.com.